We're in the middle of a series that's really kind of cool called the Hall of Faith. And so if you're brand new to our church, we do um, uh, teaching series format. So I pick a topic and I talk about it for a few weeks. And uh, because uh, I get bored and I have ADD, we move to another series. And so uh, we're almost done with this one. And, uh, and we're going um, we're to switch it up soon, but we're kind of been talking about characters of the faith. And if you're new with us, if you're a guest with us for the first time, you got to come back. We always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Ever say three times. Come on, like you got Red Bull in here. Say three times. All right, good. Yeah. So we, we have you come back three times. Here's why. Um, have you ever noticed when you go to a new place, it's hard to get the full feel of the spot. Like you don't know if you really like it. You don't know if like, if this is your spot or something like that. Don't make a, a, a knee jerk reaction try it again. We always tell you come back three times. Hopefully we'll be your spiritual fan. If you're watching online, do me a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review, do something in the chat. Let us know you're, you're with us today. Um, we're going to talk about one of my favorite characters. We've been talking about a lot of them and hopefully some of the characters have been resonating with you. We're going to talk about one of my favorite Bible characters, maybe one of the most famous uh, in all of scripture. We're going to talk about Abraham. Uh, we're going to talk about Abraham. It's going to be really good uh, because um, there's some things about Abraham we don't know. But I think Abraham has a lot to share with us about what he went through inside of Scripture and how he kind of lived his life. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12. If you don't have your Bibles, um, we're going to put it up on the screens. However, I would highly encourage you, bring your Bible to church. You don't know what I'm reading. I could be reading out of, you know, the book of Aaron, and you wouldn't know. So, like, come and, and bring your Bible and highlight. You can write in your Bible. Yes, you could do that and write notes and just kind of make it uh, real to you. But we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis is the first book in the Old Testament. So this is easy. If you've never been to church, you just got to flip it to the first book. And we're 12 chapters in. And at this point in the Bible, it starts off with Adam and Eve and God creating the world. And Adam and Eve then have a bunch of kids. And, and then that's when it all goes, you know what I mean? It all goes wrong, right? Come on, parents. That's a, that's a parent joke right there. Y'all, like, That's the truth of the matter right there. We got married. We were, and then the kids. Okay, so like... Um, so then they had kids and, and then Noah comes along and he does some crazy stuff for God. And then some of the descendants of Noah, you start to see this, this new family show up called with, with a man named Abraham. His first name was Abram. So they actually called him Abram. He had a wife named Sarai. And uh, his name, you start to see actually changes from Abram to Abraham, which is it's the same person. And then Sarai to Sarah, which is the same person. That's his wife. And so we're going to read about today just kind of a unique moment that he has with God. Because I would bear to say that his, one of his most unique moments Abraham has with God, you and I have with God pretty regularly. And I'll prove that in just a moment. But Genesis chapter 12 is where we are. That's kind of the context. So we all know where we're at. Everybody say, okay. okay. Everybody say, I got you. We're together. All right. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, or Abraham, um, Get out of your country from your family and to your father's and, and, and from your father's house to a land that I'm going to let you know about one day. And then here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you what he called, there's seven Abrahamic promises that you kind of see. So he's, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And then you're going to be a blessing. And then I'm going to bless those who bless you. And then I'm going to curse those who curse you. And then all of your families will be blessed. This is one of really what scholars believe two Abrahamic covenants. It's like an Abrahamic covenant A, every Abrahamic covenant B. But this is kind of A, where you see God takes a lineage and a family of people, right? And winds up blessing them in his generations generations. In fact, when we talk about Abraham, maybe in the Christian church, we do this a lot. We make up funny songs about them in children's church. Did anybody remember the song, the most famous Abraham song? 
in all of Sunday school is we, the reason we call him Abraham, we call him what? We call him Father Abraham. So I thought Father's Day, you, you see how I did that? Pastor joke. And so, um, but we used to sing the song. Y'all want to, we could sing it. Do you know the song? Fa, you want to sing it with you? So Father Abraham had many sons. Come on. And many sons had Father Abraham. Come on. You want to do it? I am one of them. And so are you. Come on. So let's just praise the Lord right on left. Oh, that's extra credit. Come on. Y'all know that. We did it. Let's pray. We're done. I'm just kidding. We're going to talk about Abraham today. Father Abraham is always fun. So with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I thank you that today, Lord, you have something to say to us. It's amazing how we can learn from you and your word. And I pray that today we would learn from you and that I would get out of the way. We would make much of Jesus. This is your church. These are your people. Let your Holy Spirit rain down and be supreme today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I don't know how many of you are like me, but I am a, um, I'm what called a linear thinker. Is anybody a linear thinker? Like, here's what I mean by that. Um, there, there, life has to, in my, uh, and everything that I do makes sense. So I'll give you an example of what I mean by linear thinker. I'm not really, um, I'm creative. I have a creative bone in me. I was a, a worship pastor for a long time. I love graphic design and all those times. I did that for churches. That's how I got started in the church. So I like creative things. I like fashion. I like all those types of things. But I'm really a linear thinker at my core. I, I, everything has to make sense. It has to line up. I love spreadsheets and I love all that. And so um, when I think about life, to summarize it, it really is summarized in this kind of equation. A plus B equals what? Come on, y'all know. C, right? That's what, that's the, to me, that's life. To me, that makes sense. To me, that's what everything should be. If I am A, I do something good, B, it will produce the right thing in C. Is anybody else like me in the world, right? That's how the life should, anybody else not like, okay, one, two, I got four, five, six, seven, eight. Wake people up if they're sleeping. Okay. So like, I'm pretty sure there's a few of you that are, are, are like that. But what I've noticed about life, this is just me. I don't know why it's like this. Whenever I've done something in life, you've lived longer than five minutes, you'll notice that life is not A plus B equals C. Life is actually A plus B equals marshmallows, right? Like, it makes no sense. It, it's like, how did that happen when this happened? Like, it doesn't add up. It doesn't compute in my brain. Like, where, like, why was it 115 degrees on the heat index in San Antonio? It makes no sense right? And, and I thought, like, there's a lot of things in life that doesn't make, don't make a whole lot of sense. So it's Father's Day. I thought I would give you guys kind of my Father's Day, father's jokes, dad jokes, observations. I'm telling you they're cheesy on the front end because then now you have an obligation to laugh on the back end, okay? That's the conversation we're going to have. That's the, we're going to make an agreement. I'm going to do a few observations. They're cheesy, but you need to laugh. Everybody say, okay. Everybody say, I got you. All right. You said that under God. God's watching. Here's a few things that don't make any sense to me. And yes, they're cheesy. Why is abbreviated a long word? Something to think about. Why is the man who invests your money called a, 
a broker. Has anybody ever noticed that? They're called a broker. Okay, that don't make no sense. Why is the slowest traffic that you and I sit in called rush hour? That doesn't make much sense. Why are apartments stuck together? They're supposed to be apart. Why do you drive on a parkway and then you park on a That don't make no sense. This is the best one. My wife gave me this one. She gave me permission. Don't email me about it. But, but I, why can't women put on mascara with their mouth closed? Why can't they do that? I've never put mascara on. Ladies, is that true? Is that true? Okay, that's a little true. I'm, I asked somebody on our staff. I told her that. She goes, well, I'm going to do it. And I just forced my mouth to be closed just so I make you wrong. I'm like, that's messed up. So like, you know. There's just some things in life that don't make sense. But if we're honest, if we're true, if you look at the Bible, God is notorious for this. He does things all the time that don't really make a whole lot of sense. And he asks you to do things that make a whole lot of sense. I mean, he does it with Abraham. What he asked Abraham, I want to go back and we need to just look at that real quick what he asked him to do. He asked Abraham to do something that would be like him asking us, hey, you wake up tomorrow morning and God would speak to you. Let's say it's through a burning television set. And he's like, hey, here's what I want you to do. Leave your job. Leave your family. Leave your house. Leave your bank accounts. Leave your friends. Leave your neighborhood. Leave your favorite restaurants. Get on I-35 and start driving. Where are we going, God? I'll let you know. Think about that. That's a big deal. And if I'm Abraham, my first response is like, say what? <laughs> yeah, but okay. Even if I got to, okay, I'm going to do it, I would still have the following conversation. Yeah, but where? And if you know anything about scripture, Abraham, most scholars believe with, when it comes to Abraham, the reason we call him the father of our faith the reason we think about him like that is because most scholars believe he was characterized by this one sentence. If you think about Abraham, think about this. He's characterized by prompt obedience through grounded faith, which means he was really, really fast at obeying because he was so grounded in what and who he believed. So he was able to be obedient because of how he believed and because of his faith. He was able to do things like leave everything and go someplace that God will eventually show you because he believed in the God that he served. And God is notorious for this. He's notorious for doing things and asking you and I to do things that make no sense. Let's just give you a few examples in the Bible. God asked this guy, this is one time, God asked, you can go read it in the Bible. God asked this one guy named Joshua to, he was taking him into the promised land. This is the first city they're going to walk into. It's called Jericho, gigantic city. God's like, you going to take that city. Joshua's like, bet, when are we going to do it? He's like, right now. He's like, all right, where's my army? Where's my guns? Where's my, my knives? Where's my swords? Where's my people? We going to go do this. Let's go. And he's like, actually, uh, we just want you to go like take a jog around it while playing Spotify. Just go ahead. Just do it. And that's how you're going to conquer the city. Sometimes we read things and we're like, that's odd. Do you ever read the Bible and go, that's odd? He does that. Here's another time where he talks to this guy named Noah. 
where like the world is completely corrupt and God's like, I got to hit the reset button. This is, this is crazy. And he tells Noah, Noah, listen, make a big boat. It's going to take you a long time, many years. People are going to think you're the town clown. They're going to think you lost your mind, but just keep building the boat and you can put all these animals on it. And then I'm going to send, this is going to be crazy, Noah, because you've never seen this before up until the history of mankind. It had never rained. And I'm going to send water from the sky. They're like, water from the sky? Yeah, and then it's going to flood the entire world. And then you're going to survive. And it's going to be amazing. Like, it's, it's odd. It makes no sense. I mean, even Jesus did something, like did weird things. Like he would... He would do the opposite of what you thought he should do. Like his disciples came up to him one time when he was Jesus, the Jesus walking around, ministry Jesus. And they were like, Jesus, there's people over here. They need you, man. They need you. They need you. You can heal them. You're the one who can heal them. And he's like, yeah, I got to go to another town. And so God is in the business of doing things that make no sense. And if you're a Christian, I just want to bring you, like if you're new to faith of Christianity, and you bought into this weird Christian misnomer that if you just say your yes to Jesus, everything will be great. It won't. And the moment, the moment you become a Christian, it's almost like you signed up for God to ask you to do things that make no sense. So if that's true, then if I was to sit and talk to anybody in the Bible about how to deal with that, it would be Abraham. I mean, you just heard what God asked him to do. That's going to do some things that make no sense. I'm just giving you one of his moments. I think he would give us some pretty good advice. Here's what I think he would say. I think he would say, when God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense, just obey. Now, I know that sounds like a Christian churchy pastoral answer because you're like, it's like, something's going wrong. What should you do? Pray. Like, doesn't it sound like that? Like, and if you're like, you know, new to Christianity or this thing's kind of weird to you and it's just religion, that sounds very religious. So let me explain. I think he would do it in three ways. I think he would say, um, if God ever asks you to do something that doesn't make sense. You have to obey in, in three ways. And this is kind of my points if, you, if you're taking notes. Number one, you need to obey even if it takes a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but um, God is like never early <laughs> on things I ask him to do. Can anybody else relate to that? I'm like, hey God, like, I need you to like, I'm more oftentimes helping God along. You ever pray just to remind God of things? Other than the pastor of this church? Anybody else? I do it all the time. Hey, God, just heads up. I want you to know. I don't know. I know you're busy. World and universe and stuff. I need you to, need you to fix this. Just, want, just a friendly reminder. Just a little notification on your phone, God. Just, I love you. God's never seems to be early. And in Abraham's case, it took him 25 years, scholars believe, to get from what was said to what was done. And I've noticed that the more time that goes on between, the more gap, the more space between God's spoken promise and God's fulfilled promise, it's way, way hard to obey. Anybody, anybody have that happen recently? It's like God told me something. I know he told me something, but it's not happening in the time I really want. It's really a time thing. It's not even, I'm not even to the how, Right? We're not even to how you accomplish it. I'm just talking about like, can you acknowledge the fact that we had a conversation, God? Is this okay for people? Like, I'm just talking about real Christianity. 
I'm talking about like real life, what it's like to be a Christian in the real world. Because there's a distance, there's this gap, and it gets really, really hard. And, and in my history, I've never seen him, seen him early, yet he's never late. And so what I've learned is to ask God for what I call divine time. Here's what divine time to me is. It's God's appointed time. Not Aaron's appointed time. I like my time. I think I'm right all the time. I think I'm, God, if you want me to tell you when, I'm your man. Now. Last week. Come on. You're already you're already late, God, so just go ahead and do it. And, and instead of asking for my time, I, want, I need to ask for divine time, which is God's appointed time. I like what Habakkuk chapter 2 says. It says, for still the vision awaits its what? It's appointed time. Like there's been an appointment. There's been an established time. There's a creator of the universe who has actually seen the beginning and end of time, which means he stands outside of time, which means he has a healthy perspective of time, which means he seems to know what's going to happen. And if that guy knows what's going to happen, he might be smarter than I am when it comes to time. So there's an appointed time, and it hastens to the end. It will not lie. I like this. It says, if it seems slow, wait for it. Now, you know, I've never seen this Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, as a tattoo on someone's arm. Or a bumper sticker on the back of their car. Like, if you want God to do something in your life, no one sings songs about that. Just wait for it. No one sings the songs that goes, God, you are late. Taking too long. Hello. If I was a worship leader, those are the songs I'd be singing, you know? <laughs> Nobody would sing them. They'd be like, what is wrong with this guy? He says there's an appointed time. It seems slow. Wait for it. It's going to come. It's not going to delay. If you got a promise from God, just let me remind you, it's coming. It's coming. No one can ruin it. He's in control. I don't care what happened in your job. I don't care what happened with your parents. I don't care what happened with your relationships. I don't care what happened with you. You can't even get in the way of you. God has an appointed time. Just wait for it. Just wait for it. It's coming. It's not going to delay. And I said this. He goes, hold the souls puffed up. It's not upright with him. But the righteous, you're going to have to live by some faith. Not by what you see. Not by what happened to you. Not by science. By faith. You got to believe. And if we're not careful, we can be real impatient with God. And when I get impatient with God, I like to get my hands up into things. It's just, it's just kind of how, it's kind of how I am. Sarah did this with God a little bit. If you read about her in Genesis chapter 16, it says, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. And she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. This is one person becoming impatient with God and saying, well, I'll just fix it. I'll fix it. And if you know anything about Bible history, she goes on to, Hagar goes on to have Ishmael. Sarah winds up having a baby with Abraham, which was God's plan originally with Isaac. And God's covenant wasn't with Ishmael. It was with Isaac. 
So oftentimes when we don't trust God, we tend to get, sometimes we get a good thing, but not a God thing. Sometimes you'll get just enough, but not what you could have had. There's a whole lot of us missing out on God's potential, and you think what you have now is what meant to be what you were meant to have. It's not. It's not that it's bad. It's not even that it's sinful. It's just not that it's actually not God. It's good, but it ain't God. It's a plan, but it ain't God's plan. And if we trust the timing of God, we'll get the, come on, the, the treasure of God. Just trust me. God is not slow He's deliberate. There's a difference. That's free. Worth the price of admission. Number two. If Abraham was sitting with us, I think he would say, obey. I don't know if it takes a long time. Obey if it seems absurd. Okay, this is where you're going to get a little. This is where I'm going to stretch your faith a little bit. Yep. Get ready to get some. Anybody go work out? Before you work out, got to get a little stretch. It's actually how I hurt my leg. I'm getting old. I wasn't even working out. I hurt my leg when I got stretching. Anyway, um, what was I talking about? Oh, even if it seems absurd. Like God will ask you to do some things that are absurd. Genesis chapter 18 then said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, Sarah. Your, your wife will have a son. This is God talking to Abraham and Sarah You find out later. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent. She's ear hustling next to the tent going, what's up? And she heard God have a conversation with Abraham, which, by the way, just so you know, if the conversation ain't about you, butt out in Jesus' name. Some some of y'all need to hear that, like. If it ain't about, that's the problem with social media right now. It's a lot of conversations that you should not be having in public, that you should be having in private. And y'all think you're brave because you're behind a keyboard. Say it to my face. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. And now Sarah was listening at the entrance and was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were already old and they're well advanced in years. I'm like, Bible, that's jacked up. They'd be like, you are old and over the hill. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself. She thought what God was saying was so absurd. It caused her to laugh. Have you ever heard something so crazy? You just laughed. You're like, I'm going to have a kid. I'm like 800 years old. Who going to have that kid? Come on, how many of y'all have heard something crazy? Like the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl? You know, something <laughs> crazy, just crazy. <laughs> group hug, group hug. It's okay. Never mind. Never mind. I take it back. I retract my statement. Y'all going to make it this year. <laughs> anyway, um, it was so absurd. She laughed out loud. She goes, I'm worn out. Then she doubles down. She goes, I ain't even, I'm not that I'm old. I'm worn out. Like I'm really old. I'm older than old. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did she laugh at that? Which by the way, just, just remember anytime God asks a question, it could have done. It's not because he don't know the answer. Y'all know that, right? God asks a rhetorical question. He's trying. Anytime God wants to ask a question, he's doing it to inform you. Why did you laugh at that? Why did she say, 
Am I going to have a child now that I'm old? And God said, is there anything too hard for God? You think he was confused by what he could do? He wasn't confused. It wasn't like he was saying, is there anything so hard for me? God doesn't have an identity problem. He's not insecure. He was trying to communicate to you and I, like, I created all this. The stars that you look at and the sun that you receive warmth from and the moon that causes things. I, I was the one who hung them in the sky. He said, you, you're saying that's too hard? He goes, watch, now when, you come, when I come back next year, you're going to have a baby. Say I won't. You know, that's kind of like what he said. That's literally what he said. He goes, I'm coming back and you going to have a son. And then we'll see what I can't do. She's 89 years old. She's past prime bearing years. I mean, her issue was that what God said to her seemed so ridiculous. She had given up on it. What have you given up on in your life? Because you just felt like, man, that's so ridiculous. So ridiculous. So why would, that ain't going to happen. Maybe somebody spoke something over your life and, they said, you're going to do this and this and this. And you, you thought it was going to happen right away, and so it didn't happen. But then it, it didn't happen. You started to question, and now it seems kind of absurd. I'm going to do what? I, don't, I think that guy was crazy. I don't think she knew what she was talking about. I mean, I don't, that church was nuts. I don't, man, I don't think they knew what. And you had a promise, and it didn't happen right away. And it seemed so crazy that you just forgot what God can do. God was reminding Abraham and Sarah, let me remind you what I can do. I'm in the business. God is in the business of ridiculous. He's in the business of it. It's what he does. I'll give you some examples. He likes to use people like tax collectors as disciples. You and I don't like the IRS right now. Back then it was worse because they were betrayers of their own culture. They were, the Bible even separates sinners and tax collectors. I mean, I know that's, that's bad. And he says, yep, that's the one I'm going to use to reach more people for me. He likes to, there's this crazy story where a really old guy who can stutter hits the water with a, ro- with a wooden rod and then a sea parts. He's in the business of ridiculous. He, this is one time Jesus walking around, dude was blind. Can we be honest? Jesus could have probably said, you ain't blind no more. But he uses spit to cure his blindness. I mean, it's, it's a little ridiculous. He sends bird to feed people in the wilderness. He, he, he makes manna appear out of nowhere, which is what is it? It's like food. Literally, manna translated, what is it? They didn't even know what to call it, so they called it, we don't know what to call you. <laughs> and that's how he fed his people. And then he lights bushes on fire, but yet they don't get burned. He likes to walk on water. Can we be honest? Jesus didn't need to do that could have taken a boat like everyone else. I kind of think Jesus had a personality. I know some people are like, talk about Jesus like he would have been like, real like. 
Thoueth. Good, my child. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? The kids liked him. Let's be honest. If you ain't cool, kids will tell you to your face. Right? Like, if you're not fun, and you don't have a spirit of fun, and you don't have a personality, they're going to let you know. They're going to say things to you like, I don't... Funny story, no lie, I'm not kidding you. Between services, I'm walking back with the kids and um, saying hi to the little children. Hi, little children. Girl walks up to me. You're funny. You're the funny looking guy. I was like, thank you. They'll tell you to your face. Jesus had a personality, so he comes out and starts moonwalking on the water in the middle of a storm. That's pretty ridiculous. I mean, he likes to turn water into wine. He's a fun guy, but it's pretty crazy. Like, out of the first miracles you would ever do, if you were Jesus, would that have been your first miracle? Probably not. But I think he's at a party. He's at a wedding. He's like, let's have a good time. Water into wine. Woo! Fill it up again. He turns Lunchables into buffets for fun. <laughs> Took a little little kid's lunch, but y'all know that, right? Like, he, he makes death look like sleep. He's in the business of ridiculous. Yes. Yes. Like, I'm trying to remind you of the God that you and I serve. He's not limited in his power. And anything he tells you that feels like and seems like absurd is so easy for him. He's just waiting for you to believe. He's like... I just nothing's too difficult for me. Matthew chapter 19 says Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, yeah, it's impossible. If it was up to you, your marriage is done. If it was up to you, you're financially dead. If it was up to you, none of your kids are coming back to God. If it was up to you, your health is going to be a struggle your whole life. If it was up to you, you're never going to get promoted. If it was up to you, you're always going to have an estranged relationship with your parents. If it was up to you, you're never going to find the one. If it was up to you, your car's always going to break down. It doesn't matter. It's not up to you. He says, actually, with God, everything's possible. It's all possible. So all I'm saying is I'm trying to convince you by faith to remember what God promised over your life and stop doubting it and be like Abraham and obey even when it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy that I'm the senior pastor of this church. Some of you are like, I second that. My wife told me one time, Max, my wife told me one time, she said, well, God, God used a donkey, so I mean, I'm like, I don't know what that, am I supposed to take that as a, right? <laughs> what does that call me? You know? What's her email? Yeah, I know it's like the King James version of that one. Anyway, let's just move on. Even if it does, so third one, obey even if it doesn't feel right or seem just. Abraham would tell you that. Now, this is the one no one, no one, I got no amens in the first service about this. Because it has to do with hurt. Um, so, context. Abraham, Genesis chapter 18. Abraham, he writes, uh, he, the, 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 the story is penned that he's having a conversation with God about a city called Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, you don't even have to be a Christian to know Sodom and Gomorrah because like, you probably heard some crazy preacher 
on CNN or Fox News. God's going to rain down judgment on America like Sodom and Gomorrah. Fire. Brimstone. That's where it came from, by the way. <laughs> That's where the preachers got it. And uh, Abraham has to have a conversation with God, and he's like, hey, God, there's some good people in that city. To him, Abraham thought in his mind, well, there's some good people. They're not everybody's bad. God's like, I I've already spoken. Everybody's bad. And it's not everybody's bad. They're evil. And so Abraham thought he knew more than God. How many of y'all ever done that with the Lord? Okay, just me. And then... He thought he knew better than God, and so God says, I've got to destroy him. And so he says this. He says, and Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Will not the judge of the, all the earth do right? I know what's right, God. You need to think what's right is what I think is right. And so because you don't think what I think is right is right, I think you're wrong. And therefore, now we, have a, now we have a problem. And when God doesn't do what you want him to do, it's easy to see him as unfair and wrong yeah. and unjust. Right. And the funny thing about life is that a lot of, our, um, a lot of our, uh, our belief systems and our value systems and what you find to be right or wrong or good or bad or evil or whatever is all colored by your past the church experience you grew up in, your parents, whether you had them or not, how they taught you, your grandpa, your grandmama, your Grammy, all the people that said something to you about you, all how you were treated in school. How, it's all, this is scientific, by the way. It's, uh, everything's colored your past, where you come from, what socioeconomical class you grew up in, what part of the country you grew up in, whether or not you were deep in your race and how you were raised based on your race, based on how you were raised upon your religion, what kind of church you come from. All of it is influencing you right now. You know, no, I'm the, my own person. Okay. And because of that, you have your own sense of justice and what's right and what's wrong. And sometimes God's version of justice doesn't seem like our version of justice. Especially with those that hurt us. So here's an interesting thing. There are people that have hurt you in your life. I bet you've been hurt before because you lived, you're a human. You lived in the earth. You know what God says for you and I to do with those people? It's the worst. Like we got to forgive them. That doesn't seem like justice to me. So what God says is, I, I do this with God sometimes. God, I get hurt. Someone hurt my feelings. Little girl in Sunday school. God, I... What's that all about? Feelings hurt. Oh, you got to forgive them. So let me get this straight, God. They get to hurt me, and then I get to let them off the hook. He's like, yep, that's how I do it. <laughs> Welcome to the family. <laughs> it doesn't seem just. It doesn't seem right. And yet Abraham would say, I know it doesn't seem right and just, but you should just do it anyway. Because God's justice is better than my justice. And Proverbs 14 tells me that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end of its way, it's, it's death. It's death. It's death. That my ways are not always the right ways. I have to just remind, just, I just have to remind myself, like, God, you seem to have this justice thing worked out. 
When you say stuff like serve and love our enemies, I mean, oh, that's so opposite of the justice that I think I want to do with my enemies. You want to do with my enemies? Destroy them. And God's like, actually, that's not what we do. We love our enemies. It's kind of complicated, but yeah, that's what we do. It's harder, but it actually brings about Jesus and you. Jesus and you. One of my goals in life, um, and maybe you can borrow it. I don't think it's original to me or anything, but one of my personal goals is that if everybody who meets me knows that I'm a Christian, would think better about Jesus That's a win for me. They don't need to think better about me. I just, I wonder if we sacrifice some things in our lives for our rightness. We sacrifice the, their perspective on God and who he could be. Some people will only know the Jesus they see in you. And I just try to kind of have like, or everybody who meets me, if they know I'm a Christian and May they think well about you after meeting me. Not that I'm perfect or I got it all together. I mean, y'all heard this message. This is crazy. But I just, at least they would think Jesus is okay. That Jesus could do great things. That Jesus has good plans. And then ultimately, I'm, I'm not in control of justice. That's my prayer for you today and all the fathers in here.